Bibles, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38. Um, this portion I'm going to read out of the Passion Version, Passion Translation. So um, if you want to look in your Bible app on your phone, you can. The TPT, Passion Translation, that's where I'm going to be reading out of uh, for this portion of Scripture. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. It says, Then a few Jewish scholars and Pharisees spoke up and said, Teacher, why don't you perform a miraculous sign for us? Jesus replied, Only evil people who were unfaithful to God would demand a sign. There will be no sign given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge sea creature for three days, three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will also rise up on that day of judgment to condemn this generation. For they all repented when they heard the preaching of Jonah. And there is one greater than Jonah here preaching to you today. Even the queen of Sheba will rise up on the day of judgment to condemn this generation for its unbelief. She journeyed from afar and distant land just to hear the wisdom of King Solomon. Yet now there is one greater than Solomon speaking to you today. And turn over to Matthew 16, a few, few chapters over. Matthew 16, he makes another reference to this same thing that he's saying here. It says, one day, some of the, verse 1 of chapter 16, one day some of the Pharisees and those of the Jewish sect known as the Sadducees approached Jesus insisting that He had proved to them that He was the Messiah. Show us a supernatural sign from heaven. They demanded. Jesus answered, You can read the signs of the weather. For you say, Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. You're so adept at forecasting the weather by looking at the sky, but you're absolutely clueless in reading the obvious signs of the times. A wicked and wayward generation always asks for signs, but only a sign I provide you will be the sign of Jonah the prophet. And then he turned away and he left them. Later as Jesus and his disciples crossed over to the other side of the lake, Galilee disciples realized they had forgotten to bring any loaves of bread. Jesus spoke up and said, Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Thinking Jesus was scolding them about the bread, they began to discuss it among themselves. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, If such little faith, why are you arguing one another about the bread? You're slow to understand. Have you forgotten the miracle of feeding the 5,000 families? How each of you ended up with a basket full of fragments and how seven loaves of bread fed 4,000 families with baskets left over? Don't you understand? I'm not talking about bread. I'm warning you to avoid the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And finally they realized he wasn't talking about the yeast found in bread, but the error of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So just for time's sake, um, we, won't, we won't go through our sword model right now. Um, but I want to compare this to a lot about what we've been talking about. Seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And we've been talking about what that looks like compared to a church culture versus a kingdom culture. He did not say, seek first the church culture first. Right? He says, seek first my kingdom, my culture, my domain, what I'm trying to bring here. The kingdom is the king's domain. And he's trying to set it up where? Here on earth. Right? As it is in heaven, so it be here on earth. And so... As we are doing that and ushering in His presence, we got to keep our church culture out of our minds and kingdom culture in our minds and in our hearts. And that's what He's trying to get them to see here. Even His disciples are saying, oh, so He's talking about the bread. And He's like, bro, why do you keep thinking with your natural mind? I need you to think supernaturally, right? 
What was, what was it that the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to get Jesus to do? Perform miracles, a supernatural sign. And He says, I ain't going to give you one. Now, is that Jesus saying, I don't believe in signs and miracles? No, because before He said that, we see the feeding of the 5,000, right? Was there miracles before He made this statement? Yes. Was there miracles after He made this segment? Yes. So it wasn't about that, hey, I don't do miracles. And I'm not going to do miracles. Is that what he was trying to say? No. Because obviously he would be going back on his word because he performed the miracles. Right? So that wasn't about his statement. But what Jesus is saying, I'm not a circus show. I'm not a circus act at your command that I just do whatever you want me to do. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were not listening and wanting to accept the lifestyle of Jesus. Jesus' lifestyle was, pick up your cross, come follow me. Right? Come do what I do. Come follow after me. And to see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanted to add on. Like, we already got all the God part figured out. We already got all the supernatural part figured out. We just want the miracle part for you to come along. Right? Remember, if you've been watching the, uh, the Chosen series, remember in the first, first year series, and it had, um, had Nicodemus on there, and they all go in there and they're trying to cast out the demon out of Mary Magdalene, right? And nothing happens. Then Jesus comes, cast out, and she's like, I was one way, and now I'm a completely different way. And Nicodemus is like, something different about this dude. They wanted the add-on, but they didn't want him to be their life. They didn't want the transformation to take place, right? So... Jesus' model was, I hear what Papa's doing and I do it. I don't hear what you command of me and I do it. You see what I'm saying? So if He's living in us, so kingdom culture versus church culture, right? Church culture is, oh, those people believe in miracles. So let's just go tell them to do this and this and this for me, right? So the Spirit of, as we said earlier, because we had all those testimonies, which was awesome. And so the Spirit... Um, I mean, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, it doesn't mean like Desmond gives that, that, that testimony and now everybody just comes up here with their computer and says, well, you did it for him, now I want you to do it for me too. Well, if Papa doesn't give me that word to give to those people, I'm not a circus show either. He lives in me, right? And I'm supposed to be listening to Papa. And he texts me that, and then a few minutes later, I heard Papa say that. That's the only reason I told him that. Right? And so, and it, and it happened. Right? Like Papa said it would happen. Right? <laughs> he said he tried on sausages and it didn't work. <laughs> so, that's what they're wanting. But he called them an, an adulterous generation. He called them hypocrites. Right? Why is he calling them that? Because they want a sign. Why is he calling them that? Well, in this, the second part that we just read, it says, look, you can look at the signs of the weather. And you can say, oh, well, you're going to have a storm tomorrow, right? But you can't tell the signs of the time. And he rebukes them for that. He calls them hypocrites and adulterous generation. And then he tells his own disciples, don't follow after that same kind of teaching. What is he trying to say? Look at me now. Look at this. This is very important. Because you don't want to follow in that same footstep. You don't want to be in that same religious garbage. Okay? 
What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I already have given each and every one of you, even the religious Pharisees and Sadducees, an eternal nature to supernaturally know the times. Did you hear what I said? Even unbelievers, He has supernaturally given them, supernaturally, internally, to be able to, 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 to know the supernatural. How do I know that? Well, that's what He's saying here to them because He said, you can see these natural things and say this is going to happen, but this supernatural, these miracles that I'm doing already, like you're commanding me to do more, but I've already been doing them, and you can't tell what time it is. What time is it? The Messiah is here. So what were they doing? They were suppressing the supernatural to think with the carnal. That's good. What did we say at the beginning? When we were praying, my mind is a good thing, but it is not my master. What were they allowing to happen? The mind to be the master instead of the spirit to be the master. They suppress the supernatural. They suppress the spiritual nature and only wanted to think with their carnal minds. Paul says the very same thing in Romans chapter 1. We won't go there because of time's sake, but Romans chapter 1, he says... God has already given every, per every person on this earth, not just believers, every person on this earth, the internal nature to know that He exists and to know that He is God. That's good. That's good. Every person, whether a believer or not. What happens is, is those who refuse to become believers, they do what? They have to suppress the supernatural to think carnality. That's what happens. And what is Jesus saying here? You have to do what? You can't allow that kind of yeast to get into your loaf. Why? Because you become like that. You become the people who want to think carnality, but not supernatural. See, a lot of things that we did at the beginning of the service, if you're thinking carnality, you got nothing out of that. Nothing. It was just sitting there and you just going through the motions. But if you suppress the carnality and allow the Spirit to become master, you begin to open yourself up to a whole new world. A whole new world. Disney, right? I think I was Aladdin. So he opens you up to a whole new world whenever you allow that. So if that yeast, he says... Because Jesus compared His own kingdom as yeast also. And it starts small. If I allow a little at a time for me to allow the supernatural to take control and, and suppress my carnality, guess what happens? It begins to open up to a whole new world as in my life becomes that. It doesn't start like where it's just all like Paul was talking about. But as you allow it a little in at a time, it permeates the whole being, meaning you. It permeates your whole being. And that's what he's trying to warn them of right here, right? So his display was transformational, right? That's what he's trying to get them to see is that my display, my miracles that I've already been doing, like I'm not going to do it for you again because you're just wanting a circus show. Because he had already previously to Matthew chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 11, he warns those cities. Remember, he told those cities in the chapter before that, he says, Sodom and Gomorrah will come on the day of judgment 
and testify against you because if they would have seen the things you saw and heard the things you heard, they would have repented. So what I want us to focus on is this fact because we've been talking about this for about a month now is that notice he's talking about a transformation of not just an individual but of cities. And when the cities transform, what happens to the nation? The nation's transformed. He's wanting to go beyond the person to the community, to the city, to the nations. Right? That's what he's after. Because that's what his testimony was to them in Matthew chapter 11. Then he goes on in 12 and 16 saying these things. That the only thing I'm going to give you is what? The sign of Jonah. So let's look at Jonah. I'm in the New American Standard in Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, just to remind you. Remember, Jonah didn't want to, he didn't really want to tell the people of Nineveh, did he? Why? Was it because he was just scared to talk in public? He didn't like them. That's just all it was to it. He didn't like them. They wasn't his people. They wasn't his creed. They wasn't his folks. And so he didn't think that they deserved it. Why? Because they had become a corrupt generation. Now what if we do that same thing? If we're looking around and calling everything around us in America corrupt, and that's all our focus is, what's going to happen? We're going to say, I ain't going to go tell them. They made their own bed. Let them lie in it. Right? Is that what God wants us to do? Is that His message to us? Is that what He's, what, what he's wanting us to do? Is just give up? No. So I think Harvey said it a while ago. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, if our faith is that everything's just got to get worse and it's never going to get better, is that really faith? Don't take any faith for everything to get worse. If you didn't know that, I'll just give you for your information. But Jonah chapter 3. This is after he done been spit up, got seaweed all over him, bleached out by the belly of the well, acid got him. I ain't talking about this acid, I'm talking about stomach acid. And it probably had the same effect on him. Um, but there he is, this crazy guy coming into the city. Finally, he's listening and he's going to tell him the word. Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days walk. Exceedingly great city, meaning this. At one time, most people believe that it was one of the largest cities in the world at one time. In fact, they believe it was 65 to 70 miles wide. Pretty big. <laughs> it's a pretty big city, right? So, if one man is going to change the city, would we think that's impossible if it's that big? Like we look at Mangum, which is not 60, 75 miles wide, and we think, there's no possible way we could reach this whole community for Christ. Just some of them just not reachable. Now, do we sound like Jonah or do we sound like Papa? Jonah. It's a large city. It's big. In fact, that's if you don't really know context of what I'm saying, that's further than from here to Monroe. <laughs> it's 
more like from here to Ruston. Okay? That's a big place. That's the city. And that's where he's told to go. And Jonah began to go through the city. One day's walk and he cried out, Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Does he say, God really loves you guys. I hope you come to him before it's everlastingly too late. If you walked out of here today and a car crash got you, would you be going to heaven or hell? Is that what he said? No, he said, it's the end, pal. It's done. Gone. That's all he's telling them. He ain't giving them a chance for repentance. He ain't telling them anything like that. The only thing he's telling them is, you're done for. The people of Nineveh believed in God. Huh? You see the difference in church culture just saying, we're going to do it our way and let's, let's, let's get a uh, block party at the end of Main Street and we get all these people here to hear a good pastor and we get the best band in here. We're going to transform the city. Versus, if I just listen to Papa and I say one thing, it could transform the city. It's a big difference. Right? The people of Nineveh believed in God. They called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And when the word reached the king, there's no possible way we could reach the president, of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And by the way, if you never studied Nineveh, they were way worse than what America is today. Okay? Way worse. He issued a proclamation that said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king, this is the king, which was the corrupt king, the worst king, and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. He's like everything. Anything that's alive, this is what we're doing. Like We're sanctifying it all. Like We're sanctifying every part of this whole city. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? What is he saying who knows? Because the word that Jonah gave did not say this next thing. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw His burning anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared already He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Because of the Word. Because of, the one, because of one man's obedience to the one Word that He was given the whole city, the greatest city, meaning the largest city to ever be known in the world, 65 to 75 miles wide, all came to repentance and said, this is our God. Not just the king, but the king all the way to the littlest pig. We're talking about even the flock, the livestock, the land. That kind of reminds me of something. I think there's this verse that we say a lot I don't know that we actually do it, but we say it a lot, that if my people humble themselves and pray, I will heal them and heal their what? land. It's the whole thing. You see, God's in restoring not just a person, but He's restoring communities. He wants to restore cities. He wants to restore nations. The whole part. Not just the people in it, but even the land. Even the livestock. Even the crops. He wants to heal the whole thing. So God, so Jesus is here and He says, look, you're not going to get anything else except this. The sign of Jonah. 
First sign he told them was, three days, I'll be in the belly of the beast. I'll be in the belly of this earth. Which was what? The crucifixion, right? But he says, there's another part to that is, I've already given you the word. I've already told you. I've already given you every sign and miracle. You should have already believed by now. Right? Like I've given you everything. So what was the sign of Jonah then? The sign of Jonah was what? This is the end. This is it. And who's he saying this to? Religion. This is it. I'm done with religion. What happened on that day when he went into the belly of the beast? The curtain was torn. We're not talking about a little fabric. We're talking about the curtain, the thick curtain destroyed. Why? Because he says now it's total access. Your way of thinking is destroyed. Your way of thinking, we're done with it. That's the sign He's given them. That we're done with this. All come to Me. All come to Me. Right? And it is His pleasure, we talked about this at the very beginning, it's His pleasure to give us His inheritance. That's in Matthew chapter 13. But it's His pleasure to do that. Psalm 78, which is the opposite of what we did today, Psalm 78 talks about all the great things that God did in the Old Testament. And you know what he says to them in Psalm 78? He says that they tempted God. You know how they tempted God? Anybody know Psalm 78? This is how they tempted God. They forgot His wonderful deeds that He invades the impossible. They tempted God because they forgot He invades the impossible. If I told you that you could speak to a computer, would you think that's impossible? Boy, that's a bunch of fooling. If I told you that this man died and almost has died even more multiple times, but he is still living today, you'd be like, man, I don't know if I believe that. Transformation. There was testimony after testimony in this place today that if he did it before, he will do it again and more. He's not a limited God. He is the God of the impossible who wants to invade not just your walk, He wants to invade you so that you take Him and invade the world. That's what He's asking us to do. That's what He's wanting us to do. Right? So, I want you to get in your mind. A lot of times we think that prayer is just our last resort. Prayer should be our first thing, right? That should be our first resort. That should be where we live from, right? And I'm not talking about where we just steadily are just giving God a list of things that we need Him to knock out for today, like a checklist, like, God, I need this, 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 and this. And if this, 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 and this don't happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not prayer, right? We're talking about getting into that place like we talked about earlier. And when we get in that place where we are earlier, guess what begins to happen? He supernaturally begins to put downloads into you that we looked at in Colossians chapter 1 today, and He begins to tell you what He needs you to do, right? Notice, God didn't come down in Old Testament in Jonah with a clap of thunder with His voice and say, Nineveh, you must repent. Did He? No. He got one of His people who was seeking Him even one that didn't like those people. Ain't God funny? <laughs> and then he asked this guy who does not like these people 
You like, you say you love me, you say you seek me, well, this is what I need you to do. I need a voice. Why? Because he released authority to his people here on earth, and it is up to us to flow, to be that channel. That's why he didn't say, Nineveh, you must. He sent his person. And this is the word of the Lord. Paul says we speak as if we speak the oracles of God still to this day. New Testament, you are even more than Jonah. That's why Jesus says, one greater than Jonah is speaking to you now. Well, where is that greater one that greater one than Jonah now? He's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. You speak as if the oracles of God, but you don't know the oracles of God unless you get into that secret place and let Him begin to speak to you so He can speak through you so that nations are transformed. You see, it's cities that He is after, not just a person that He is after. Begin to think about it. What about the, when Jesus ushers in this New Testament model? What does He do with the woman at the well? Did they like Samaritans? No. In fact, they had a strong hatred for the Samaritans. He speaks to how many Samaritans? And is the Samaritan village changed? By how many? By how many? One person's testimony. One person's testimony. That's it. And that one person's testimony says, come and see the man who knows everything about me. And it says, many began to believe and then they all, she brought them to him and then even more believed. The whole place. What about Legion? When he cast out Legion. Remember he says, I need to go across the sea. They get over there, they get off. And they're thinking, we're going to be here for however many days. First person they come in contact with, Legion. What does he do? Cast, cast Legion out. All those demons. He cast out. And that man's like, I'm so thankful that I want to come with you. Let me just come be with you. And what did Jesus say? Well, first you've got to go through this uh, seven-step program, um, about a year of counseling because, bro, you're going to be messed up from all them things that happen in your head. And uh, once you do that, then uh, maybe join a Sunday school class, and then maybe you can give your testimony for long, but you sure can't come with us right now. Is that what he said? He said, I don't need you to come with me. I need you to go tell everybody what just happened. What did he do? Send him back into the what? City. So that the what happened? The city was transformed. What did the model of the New Testament, New Testament believers do in Acts? They said simply believe that you and your household may be saved. Not that that household gets to be automatic believers because that person believed, but what are they modeling? It's a transformation. It was never designed to stay cooped up inside you while you sit on the pew every week. It was designed so that you transform the world. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Why? Because he wanted transformation from the littlest to the biggest. Isn't that what happened in Nineveh? That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. The transformation. What about Revelation? You ever notice that in Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3? Chapter 2, chapter 3, it says, And I write this letter to the angel of the church of this city. And what was the message that he gave them? They got this going good, they got this going good, they got, but this right here, they got to repent of this. Meaning they got to rethink. They're not doing this portion anymore. Meaning what? 
I could transform this whole city if I could just get my believers in this city right here to transform their mind, their thinking about this one issue. They got this going on. Man, they actually are trying to love on people and they're trying to give to the poor and they're doing all this. But they forgot their first love. They forgot that I'm in them and I can have intimacy with them. And if I could just get them to see that I'm in them and they are in me and we are having this intimate communion with one another, the whole city would be transformed. But we waste our time with religion. We waste our time with all these good things. And they're good things. But it's not the end. The end all catch all. Right? We're doing all these things and it's like we keep doing insanity. What is insanity? To keep doing the same things and expect different results. Right? And we can't keep just doing the same things and going through the motions and saying, well, that's what our generation before us did. Well, stop! Because it obviously didn't work. Get back to the, what he said from the beginning. That's what Paul was trying to say in Colossians that we were talking about before we started today. That it starts in here. He's already given you all the treasures. He's given you everything that you need. But it needs to explode from out of you. But the problem is we don't believe that, so we got to go to something else like the Pharisees. we got to go something else. We need you to do this. God, if you just heal that person, I know that this city would come to you. And guess what happens? That person gets healed... And not even his family comes to him. Why? Because there's no heart change. We're still trying to use him like a puppet on a string and say, just do this, just do this. But what he's looking for is transformation. To come in intimacy with Papa. And when you come in intimacy with Papa, the supernatural will still happen. But the supernatural can happen without your intimacy. What he's looking for is for those who worship in spirit and in truth where we're connected. Jesus says, I can't do anything unless I hear Papa say it or do it. What's he saying? I got this intimate connection that it's all, it's all I can do. You think, he, you think there was, I mean, just think about all the people in this, in this community, in this area where Jesus was. Right? And all the different sick people, some of them had the same illness, but yet he touched them or said something different to every single one of them. He knew Papa's outcome was what? I want them whole. But he knew each one needed a different touch. They needed a different word. They needed a different way of getting that message. And you can't do that unless you're connected. You can't. We can go around throwing things out and hoping one of them sticks or hope one of them lands here or there. But you've got to be connected. Jonah was connected. Even though he didn't want these people. And then he gets mad at God because they repented. But Jesus showed us a different way. I now show you, like we looked at in 1 Corinthians last week, I now show you a more excellent way. Love. Love. You see, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it should be called the Apostles' Prayer because Jesus doesn't need to repent. Right? Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we call it the Lord's Prayer because when they said, by the way, that's the only time we really have where the disciples said, teach us a specific thing, was how to pray because they saw the intimate connection with Him and Papa. And when he tells them this, we call it the Lord's Prayer because this is what he said was the model. 
But really it should be the Apostles' Prayer because He's given them, this is your mandate. This is your commission. What? Bringing what? Heaven to earth. Right? So, some of us, you know, depends on our background in this room. Some of us come from Baptist background. Some of us come from Pentecostal. Some, we're, we're all a different stream of folks coming into one stream in here, right? And it depends on your background because some people, they say, well, apostles died out, right? And there's no more apostles today. And so, no matter your background, I'm not here to argue that. I mean, you have your, you can be wrong if you want to. Um, but I want you to get an understanding of what apostle was in the Bible. Right? We, get, we hear the word apostle and we think, oh, that was the people who did all the signs and wonders. When Jesus uses the word apostle, Jesus, he was always intertwined in his community when he's speaking to people. Why? So that they would understand. Right? Jesus asked them, like, why do you speak in parables? And he's like, well, you already got it because I've released it to you, but I've got to get them to understand. So I use parables, right? I get them to understand things that they know already. And so when Jesus uses the word apostle, it wasn't like you had to be in a church culture to understand the word apostle. Apostle was a word that was already used in the culture. And the word apostle was simply this. In Jesus' day, it was taken from the Romans, and the Romans had stolen it from the Greeks. And all it was was simply the lead ship in an armada of ships. Have you ever heard of the Spanish armada? Right? Remember that? Which was 150 ships, by the way, in the Spanish fleet whenever they did it. Right? So you got to think in your mind, Lots of troops, lots of ships coming to invade a certain territory. But the apostle was the lead ship of Amal that led them into that place. You know what their number one purpose was to do when they landed? When they took over, their number one purpose was to change the culture to look like home. Their buildings, new buildings, to where the structures look like the structures at home to where everybody began to learn the language that you spoke, to where everybody began to dress like you, eat like you. The culture shifted. Why? Because they had to establish the place so that when the emperor came to visit, he would feel at home. What is our duty? We're called to be apostles. To do what? To transform the city. To do what? So that when Papa comes home, he feels at home. You see, he said, I'm coming for a bride that has made herself ready. I'm coming for a bride that has made herself ready. I'm not coming because the world has got so bad that they can't stand it anymore. That's, you're not reading Scripture then. It says, I'm coming for a bride that has made herself ready. I'm looking around. I see a bunch of church culture, but I don't see kingdom culture. I don't see kingdom seeking Him to where we are so entwined with Him, we become one. John 17, Jesus said, this is when they will know that I am who I say I am. When? Whenever they see the oneness of us and Jesus together. And that oneness reflects this oneness. Who has made herself ready. And when that happens, we don't have to try. We don't have to. You know they've done studies to where like culture, like people who are in charge of that city, like the mayors and things like that. 
where they believe certain beliefs like demonic really that even that when most people in that city don't believe demonic like those leaders do they still find themselves thinking and acting in those manners so whenever we become transformed and the community becomes transformed guess what starts to take place even those who don't believe in Jesus yet, I say yet, their thoughts begin to shift. Their actions begin to shift because they're influenced by a new atmosphere. And it opens the door so that Papa can come home where he feels at home. So let's pray. I want you to just think for a minute. I mentioned that earlier about Revelation that he says you got all these things going for you but in this area. Now there was only one that had lost their first love. There were multiple other cities that were lacking in other areas. And they had to repent, meaning get new thoughts, new thought process. Then we mentioned if my people will humble themselves in prayer. Turn from their wicked ways and I will what? Hear and heal. I will hear, I want to hear from them, and I will heal. Right? So begin to think. What are the areas that I need to rethink? What are areas that I need I don't need to be thinking like these religious leaders where I'm allowing my carnal thinking to be greater than the spiritual influence that he has already given me? It's already given you that in your nature to to notice the supernatural. But we suppress it so that we can think carnality. And we say, well, i got a gift of reasoning. That's not a gift. Last time I checked, it's not a gift of the Spirit. Reasoning is not a gift of the Spirit. you got to release that you can receive. So what are some of those areas that you need to rethink? It may be some... Think about even this. Don't just think about your nation right now. Think about in your bloodline, your physical bloodline. From generation to generation, what are some areas that you can see have been a problem from generation to generation in your family? Even if you've never participated in that, and you're trying to be the difference maker, you need to repent. Meaning rethink. I'm not saying repent as in come down here and get slobbery, wet, snotty, and cry out to God and maybe He'll have mercy. No, He's already had mercy. It happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. Grace and mercy is already ready, available. You don't have to beg for it. What are some areas that you need to repent? Meaning you need a new record set in your generation. When you begin to acknowledge those things and you call those things as they are, a new record is made. A new record is made in you so that that new record in you is now passed down from generation to generation.
See, I believe Jonah, he didn't want to go the first time because he knew the power of the Word of the Lord. Maybe you didn't hear what I said. But try this out. I believe Jonah didn't want to go the first time because he knew in the power of the Word. And he didn't like those people. And when he relented and went and gave one word, the whole city was transformed. Do you believe in the power of his word that much? Because if you do, you'll release it into the atmosphere you're going in tomorrow, this evening. You're releasing in the atmosphere right now. Well, Dez, please, I just want you to stand where you are. I want you to open your arms again like we started out. I want you to just open yourself. And the heavenly downloads that you were asking for earlier, I want, as, he re, as He gives them to you, I want you to declare them out. Notice it didn't happen until Jonah opened his mouth. That's Old Testament. New Testament says you've been made prophet, priest, and kings. Meaning priest means you stand in the gap. He's given you the voice to stand in the gap. That's who you are. And as He gives you those words, He gives you those downloads, you release them into the atmosphere, into this community. Believe. That a new record, a new record is coming for sins of our fathers, our forefathers will not be passed on. You start something fresh and new in us, Jesus. Something fresh, something new. We go back to the original prototype of Jesus Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That the sons of God will rise up and take their place. The earth is groaning and yearning that you take your place. As Desmond plays, you just cry out. Release it out to the atmosphere. If somebody feel the urge, somebody might need a special prayer today something on your heart or a healing see somebody's toe something's wrong with somebody's toe in here and I just see it going back straight like it's supposed to be something you think is too little to say God I need you to do this but he's just doing that right now he wants you to see how big he really is how intimate he really is and he cares even about something that small see two hearts merging in together into one and I'm seeing that as in a marriage ceremony God wants you to know he wants to restore that the two become one flesh.
need a special word, Brent, somebody will meet you up here. You need a, you want just somebody to lay hands on you, transfer. But at the same time, those things I just mentioned, I see multiple things just coming together inside the room. fear on somebody in this room, fear that you almost are just hunkered down to where you're on your knees, hands over your head, that type of feeling of fear, that you feel like you're in a small space. And Papa says, lift your head and look up. The only reason you're in a tight space is because you believe the lie. There is nothing around you. Stand up and receive the intimate love of Papa.